At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Amen. Today we're going to look at um, primarily from the gospel according to John, chapter 1, and uh, verses 43 through 51. And then there may be some, there'll be some other verses we may, may take a look at as well. But primarily, again, the gospel according to 1, chapter 1, verses 43 through uh, 51. Verse 43 starts the following day. Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law. And also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. That's shouting news right there. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Amen. Have you ever done something that you regretted? Have you ever started out on the wrong foot and wished you could go back and do something all over again? Made a bad decision? Got in some relationship you wish you hadn't gotten into? Took a job you wish he hadn't taken. I think I struck a chord when I said relationship you shouldn't have gotten into. Or maybe it wasn't something, you know, that you did a decision or something you said, but maybe you went through something that you wish you didn't have to go through. Maybe somebody who's aware of your past tried to use what you went through against you 
use what you where you came from against you our lives do not have to be defined by bad decisions our lives do not have to be defined by the negative experiences that we go through we serve a god i don't know how he does it but we serve a god who can take those negative things and use them to mold you into the man and the woman that he wants you to be. The question is, will we allow him? Whose voice do you listen to the most? Whose voice speaks the loudest to you? Or is it, is it the people who are speaking against you? Who are speaking negativity? Is that who you hear the loudest? Is that who you respond and react to? Or is it the voice of Jesus Christ? Do you hear his voice above all the noise? In this text, it's really interesting. There's a lot going on here. One of the things that we must first understand is there's a lot of bias in this text. When Jesus calls Philip, Philip then calls Nathaniel and says, hey man, we have found who Moses and the prophets have been talking about. And he's Jesus of Nazareth and when he says Nazareth Nathaniel automatically has bias based on where Jesus is from how many of you are from Louisville in the sanctuary raise your hand are you if you're from Louisville if I say to you if I ask you where did you go to school I'm not, we know, okay, they're not asking, where did you go to college? They're asking, where did you go to high school? And based on your answer, people will judge on what they think, I don't know, I don't know what your status may be, how smart you may be. So I tell people I went to Doss High School. Like, oh. <laughs> My bad. But if I said I went to Manual, I went to Mail. See? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Brother Colson. <laughs> And Lord forbid if somebody went to Central. Right? But let somebody say, well, I went to Shawnee. So people automatically get something in their, in their heads based on 
where you tell, tell them or told them you went to high school. Then they'll ask you, well, where do you live? I live in the West. Automatically, people are going to judge, right? You tell them, well, I live in the East End. Oh, she's bougie. He's got money. We will find just about anything and everything except the real thing to judge people. It's all superficial. Where I went to high school, who cares? I went to the high school where I, that I went to because of where I live. My parents couldn't afford to send me to private school. I live where I live now because that's where I choose to live. So what? We look at the cars that people drive. We look at how they dress. Automatically. I mean, you've seen it. You go in the grocery store, you go in Dillard's, TJ Maxx. I walk in, I can have on a suit beard trim, head shave, and no matter what, somebody's going to judge me based on the color of my skin. And we all deal with that on some level every day. And even sometimes we do, we do it to one another. It's not just about the color of our skin. Sometimes we do it based on, like I said, we know what somebody went through. I've, I'll share a little bit. I can put all my business out in the street. I've been through a divorce. People look at you differently if you've gone through a divorce. People really look at you differently if you're a preacher and went through a divorce. So then the question is, on one hand, why do we have these biases? And what's that old saying about whenever you point a finger at somebody, you got however how many pointing back at you? Why do we have these biases on one hand? On the other hand, how do we live in God's kingdom? and not worry about people judging us and not worry about attitudes and what people may think about us. I think this text shows us a lot in that regard. Jews were biased against each other. And we know that from what we've read, number one, Jews had a lot of bias towards people who were from Galilee. In John 7 and 52, it says, They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. Amen. 
didn't think any, not only could nothing good come from Nazareth, nothing good could come from Galilee. Can no prophet come from Galilee? In 1 Kings 9, chapter 9, verses 10 through 13, says that it came to pass at the end of 20 years when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Now Hiram, the son of Tyre, had furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fir trees and with gold according to all his desire that then King Solomon gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee, 20 cities. And Hiram came out from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him and they pleased him not. And he said, what cities are these which thou hast given me, my brother? And he called them the land of Kabul unto this day. The land of Kabul is a name that means a land that is good for nothing. Or somebody would give me 20 cities. <laughs> All right. I would be grateful. Hiram comes out, looks at the cities, not a thank you, not a I'm grateful. He's like, what is this? You ever question a gift that somebody's given you? Well, you probably you may have. That's why we re-gift things. I ain't want this ugly sweater. Don't wink too hard. Don't, don't, don't give it away. But he's like, I did, what, am, what am I going to do with this? And then he had the nerve to, you know, call him brother, right? But it wasn't like in the real brotherly sense. It was almost like it was condescending. Like, bruh, how you going to give me this land? What am I supposed to do with this? He says, good for nothing. And he gives it a name that means it's good for nothing. So we're looking at this because it shows the history of how Jews looked down on the land of Galilee and the people from Galilee. Generational prejudice. So when we get to Nathaniel, what we read in, in John 1, that wasn't new. That was an attitude that had been passed down from generation to generation. And believe it or not, we do the same thing. We may not realize how we're passing down attitudes, thoughts, behaviors from generation to generation. But if we all sit and think about our own families, I guarantee we can think about instances, situations where we can't really explain 
how we came to formulate this certain opinion about a certain thing or a certain person all we know is we've always done it that way we've always thought about it this way we've always thought about them this way generation after generation we see it in society in terms of racism in terms of prejudice in terms of what's happening now with these culture wars and if you're not paying attention there's a whole war against us and our history that's happening and they're doing it through the legislature. Which is one reason why I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve as the director of the Dare to Dream Academy because it gives us the opportunity to teach young people our history unapologetically. And we're gonna make sure that they know their history. They may not get it in JCPS, but they're gonna get it here. Amen? So we see this, this, this attitude that Nathaniel has, has been passed down from generation to generation in terms of how people viewed Galilee. Now, when it comes to Nazareth, which is the city where Jesus is from, Nazareth was an uncelebrated, forgotten town off the beaten path, even for Galilee. So you had the country or the region of Galilee that everybody looked down on. Then you've got this city in Galilee that everybody looked even more down upon than the country or the region of Galilee. Nazareth was just like some little small forgotten town that no one, no one went to, no one came out of until Jesus. And I don't care what you've been through, where you come from, where you went to high school, what negative situation you've dealt with in the past, God can bring you out of anything. Anything, nothing is too hard for God. And so what, what we have to do is stop beating ourselves up. Stop beating ourselves up. We all struggle. And it honestly takes, I think it takes more strength to acknowledge and admit my struggles than it does to keep it within. And I'm still, I'm still struggling with that, you know, because my man, my, you know, I try to be try to be macho, try to go to the gym and halfway eat right. 
right? But society tells me, you know, you can't cry. You gotta, you gotta hold it in. You gotta, you know, square your shoulders up. And if you don't do that, something's wrong with you. You're not a man, not a man's man. In the meantime, blood pressure's going up, stressed out. All because I'm trying to live up to somebody else's expectations. I'm trying to live up to somebody else's expectations. It's not healthy. There's a whole lot of us running around with unhealthy behaviors based upon perception. What we think somebody else may think about us. And that's not just men, that's women too. So Nazareth was this small town, forgotten town, off the beaten path. Um, after Jesus, at the age of 12, astonishes those in the temple in Jerusalem, this is second chapter of Luke, verse 51, it says, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Nazareth didn't have the greatest of reputations politically. Following the death of King Herod, the Roman armory uh, just outside of Nazareth was robbed. And the Romans retaliated by crucifying 2,000 Jews as punishment. And this armory um, uh, was in a town called Sephoris, and that town was burned to the ground, and its inhabitants were sold into slavery. This is where Jesus came from, his earthly home, if you will. Nathaniel's bias and ne negativity, right? So we talked about Galilee, we talked about Nazareth. In terms of Nathaniel, when Nathaniel asked Philip, can there anything good come out of Nazareth? He expressed the common Jewish sentiment in the first century. Jews looked down on other Jews from Galilee. I could pause and say something there about black folks looking down on other black folks, but I don't have, I ain't got enough time <laughs> for that. And even Galileans looked down on those who came from Nazareth. Everybody was looking for somebody to look down upon in order to make themselves look better. Romans looked down on Jews, Jews looking down on Jews, Jews looked down on Jews from Galilee, and even Jews from Galilee looked down on Jews from Nazareth. I mean, that is ridiculous. Thank God we don't do that. <laughs> Thank goodness we don't do that. 
And we've got to figure out. I mean, we, I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I talk about, you know, these, these, these culture wars. Turn on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, do it. Especially now that Tucker Carlson is gone. But anyway. And you'll hear, it, this is what the whole, the, the Tennessee Three, right? And they're protesting. And them being put out of the legislature. Well, two of the three, right? And we know why the two were put out and not the third. Two of the three were put out. Then it took each of their respective districts to send them back. But then the legislature was going to try to punish those city councils for sending them back. We got to be aware. I'm telling you, there's, there's a, a whole lot of stuff happening. And whether we realize it or not, is going on. And we can either pretend like, I know some of us don't watch the news. We feel like it's too negative, and I totally get it. But you got to watch to understand that the enemy is busy. And understand when I say enemy, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. The devil is busy. And I'm still crazy enough to believe that God wants the church to be the standard and stand up against the enemy. The Bible says if you resist the devil, doesn't say if you act like he's not there, if you act like he doesn't exist, it says if you resist, and that word resist means fight, struggle. If you resist him, he'll flee. A whole lot of stuff that's happening in our communities is happening because we won't fight. So how do we fight? Get in this word. How do we fight? Come to Bible study. Come to connection group class. Get engaged in ministry. When the call goes out for volunteers, be like in Isaiah, when the question is asked, who shall I send? Here am I, send me. We've got to get in the game. So Philip, I mean, excuse me, not Philip, but Nathaniel is just exemplifying an attitude that existed within the Jewish culture. Jesus, Nazareth, and rejection. Jesus, Nazareth, and rejection. This was not the only time Jesus' earthly birthplace was um, called into question. Matthew chapter 13 verses 53 to 57 
says it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Like, where did this come from? Is not this the carpenter's son? Mm. Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Hoseas and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence hath this man all these things? Jealousy is a terrible thing. And they were offended in him. And but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. These folks question, Jesus had done anything, but they question his daddy, his mama, his brothers, his sisters, as if to say, when we know who his parents are well how did he get all of this well we know where he's from well they didn't really know they didn't understand where he was from they, they thought they knew where he was from they thought they knew who he was and so based upon their presuppositions and assumptions, they tried to judge and suggest there's no way that Jesus can be as smart as he is. No, his daddy's a carpenter. His earthly daddy was a carpenter. His father is God. And if they had understood that, there would have been no question. <laughs> as to how he got what he got. And people, again, they'll try to, you know, they'll use superficial things to judge you. But they don't understand who your daddy is. Because they understood who your daddy is, there would be no questions. Well, how did you get to that opportunity? Oh, let me tell you about my daddy. See, that's a good opportunity for us to witness right there, right? It ain't, oh, well, you know, I went to MIT and, you know, I was summa cum laude and I'm in this. No. All that I have is only because my Father in heaven has given me more than what I deserve. And so because he's given me more than what I deserve, I'm going to use what I have until he says, well done. How long, how long are we going to have to be, be at this until he says, well done. And so whenever people question you, they want to know, well, how did you get that job? 
My daddy gave it to me. What you mean your daddy gave it to me? I'm not talking about Charles Dixon Sr. Oh, he did a lot of, he's done a lot of things for me. But I got another daddy who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills. I have a daddy who is so rich, I can't even tell you how rich he is. I can't even explain to you how many blessings he's given to me. And, and, and when we understand that God gives us these opportunities, it's not just, it ain't just for us. And it isn't just so that we can do something with whatever he's given us. He's also going to put us in position to tell somebody else about him. That's what this whole thing is about. Making disciples. Well, how do I make disciples? You've got to be like Philip and tell somebody, I found him. I found who Moses and the prophets were talking about. You've got to be like the woman at the well and say, come see a man. That's how we make disciples. So God puts us in these situations to be able to tell somebody else about him. And notice in, in, in that Matthew chapter 13, verse 57, it says, and they were offended in him. <laughs> and, and, and if I could use my spiritual imagination, I think they were offended not so much because of who he was and what they saw him do and what he had, but because it called into question their existence. You ever try to have a conversation with somebody, it, it, and this is assuming that you understand that God has a purpose for your life and that you are doing the very best you can to walk in that purpose. Have you ever had a conversation with someone who does not understand their purpose? And they, at, and they question, well, why are you always at church? Why are you always doing that? Why, I don't, what do you mean you got to go to a meeting on a Saturday? They don't understand. And I had to learn that just some folks, I can't explain it to them. I just, I, I, I can try. And what I found was, I would try to explain and I would end up, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I don't have to go to that meeting. Ah, I can miss connection group class this one Sunday. I'm gonna go play golf. Next thing you know, 
You missed three weeks. You haven't been to a meeting in a month. We can't allow folks who don't get it to distract us and to take us off our game. You ever, thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're halfway paying attention to the NBA playoffs right now, okay, there has been, remember there's always beef, especially when it gets to the, to the playoffs. But LeBron James and Dylan Brooks, LeBron plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, Brooks plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. They've been going at it since game one. And Dylan is a good player, but he ain't LeBron. So what he tries to do is get in LeBron's head. But he doesn't realize you can't get in LeBron's head. LeBron James is so focused on what he's got to do that he ain't thinking about Dylan Brooks. Because he knows the gifts, the talent that he has, the success that he has, and he's got a mission. And because he's got those things and an understanding of who he is, it doesn't matter what this little person chirping in his ear is saying to him, because I can't let you distract me from where I'm trying to go. I'm trying to tell you, you can't let, if it's a little man on your shoulder, Remember the little cartoons, you know, there was a little devil on one side and an angel on the other side? Whatever it is, whoever's on your shoulder, in your ear, trying to distract you, trying to knock you off your game, you need to tune it out and focus on what God has called you to do. Before, there is a mission, there is a plan for your life, there is an assignment for your life, and the kingdom can't afford for us to be knocked off our game. I'm talking to myself. Social media, if it's a distraction, let it go. Them little reality shows, let them go if it's keeping you from fulfilling your calling it's a distraction and you gotta Barney Fife it nip it in the bud okay so they were offended Jesus says prophet is not without honor save in his own country <laughs> folks say sometimes it'll be your own people a prophet is not without honor save in your own, his, his own country and in his, his own house so we see that they rejected Jesus and his gifts right they said the question, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works that rejected his lineage? 
text says, is this not the carpenter's son? I'll never forget the first time someone asked me, well, who's your people? I was young and I didn't understand what that question meant. Right? And I guess because, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, my dad is da 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 You know, but because I didn't come from high society and I went to Dawes High School, this person was judging me because, you know, I didn't come from, I guess, the right side of the tracks. They rejected his lineage. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James? And, and Hoseas and Simon and Judas, but they also rejected his right to have. Matthew 13 and 56, where did this man get all these things? People would question even down to, well, how, do we, how does she deserve That type of job, that type of house. How does she have? It's because my daddy gave it to me. So if you got a problem, don't take it up with me. You can take it up with my daddy. So if all of these questions lead us to one question, what good can come from this? I've gone through negative situations, bad financial decisions. Maybe you've been through bankruptcy, divorce, you've been fired. Can anything good come from that? Yes, it can. Good can come from it, number one, if you show up. John 1 and 46 says, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. You got to show up. I know some days you might not feel like getting out of bed, get up. You might not feel like going to work, show up. You might not feel like confronting whatever that negative situation is, show up and hold your head up high and know that God is with you. You gotta show up, but at the same time, you got to give up. Not quit. Not talk about throwing in the towel. Nathaniel in verse 48 says, after Jesus says, here comes an Israelite with no deceit. Nathaniel responds and says, how do you know me? It says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Boy, Jesus sees you. I don't care where 
you are he sees you I don't care who's turned their back on you he sees you he knows your name he knows where you are he knows what you're going through and when Nathaniel understood that he had no choice but to surrender his will for Jesus's will that's what I'm saying when I say give up you got to surrender you got to make yourself available you got to confront that thing but surrender your will I know sometimes we're bullheaded and strong-headed but we've got to surrender to the will of God then the last thing and I'm done show up give up get the fess up that's that's the, I know that's tough that's tough John 1 49 Nathanael answered and said to him rabbi you are the son of God you are the king of Israel he had to confess I am wrong I am my bad and I know we don't like to apologize we don't like to admit but it's all part of surrendering it's all part of surrendering and, and, and when it comes to apologizing to someone else you know sometimes I'm going to just talk about me sometimes when I don't apologize I'm still a victim or I'm held by whatever that situation is it is it, that guilt is eating at me but when I apologize whether and look whether they forgive you on the spot or not be woman enough be man enough to say I'm sorry I was wrong if they hold a grudge that's on them but at least you've done what you were supposed to do to try to reconcile the relationship and be right in the eyes of God Nathaniel confessed I'm wrong you are the son of God and that change in his attitude enabled him to go on to be a disciple and if you and I are going to be disciples true disciples true followers of Christ we've got to do those three things we got to show up we got to give up we've got to surrender we've got to fess up We've got to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is our Lord and Savior. Amen. The people represent the church no matter where we are, so stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.